Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Well, today uh, we're going to focus on, on Israel. So once we get our uh, technology ready. Uh, Israel is, is named, it was a name given to Jacob, who was the father of the 12 tribes. And the Jews are descendants of his family. They're not a race. Uh, they're not a religion. They're a family, and they have a father, and they have a home, and they have a fate, and they have a future. And uh, Isaiah prophesied about um, 2,700 years ago, and he said the word of the Lord would go forth from Zion, and the law from Jerusalem. And that prophecy is what the Bible Society in Israel is all about making the word of God known to everyone in the nation, to all the visitors that come to that nation, that they might know Jesus, the Hebrews call him Yeshua, that they might love him and that the nation might worship him. God's plan of salvation began with the Jews. Uh, Psalm 148 says that they are um, close to his heart. And in Ezekiel 34, it talks about them being the flock of uh, the sheep of his flock and, and of his pasture. And uh, Moses in Deuteronomy 32 says, these people are the apple of God's eye. They are special. And the land is special also. God says, you know, from uh, Samaria, uh, from the Golan and from, from Galilee down through the hills of Samaria and the hills of Judea, right the way down to the Negev, this is my land, he calls it. And these are my people in my land. And it doesn't matter really what we call it, whether we call it Palestine or, or Canaan or whether we call it Greater Syria or whether we call it the Occupied West Bank. God calls it his land and the land for his people. The Jewish um, people were the first to receive the good news. They were the first to preach the good news. And in fact, for the first eight years of the early church history, everything was centred around Jerusalem and its temple. And it wasn't until eight years later that the first Gentile convert, um, Cornelius, a Roman centurion of the Italian regiment up in Antioch, came to faith. And it would be 20 years before, and three missionary journeys from Paul, before the gospel was freely teached to the Gentiles. And when Paul was preaching to them in, Acts, uh, sorry, in Romans 9, 10 and 11, he was very careful that the Gentile people would understand that the Jewish nation had a plan, that God had a plan for them and that they were privileged. They were the first. And he explained to them that it was God who hardened their hearts, that they would reject Yeshua, the Messiah, and that in doing that, God was opening a door for the passage of the gospel to the Gentiles and that they had been grafted in. But Paul said very clearly, one day the whole of the nation will come to faith. And when it does, every promise that God had intended for them would be received. The full backlog of everything that they'd missed out on would be lavished upon them. And Paul's word was, this is far greater riches. And so there's a great future for that people. In preparation for that great day, God is bringing back Jews from every nation of the world. 
And they, um, uh, this is a challenge. They often come back and they have to start their own communities who, that speak their own language group. They have to often build their own homes. They often have to dig their own gardens and plant their own trees. And it's tough. The, the, um, the nation is not very big. It's only one-third the size of Tasmania. And in that one-third the size of Tasmania, there's already nine million people. And unlike Australia that puts immigration caps uh, and visa restrictions on who can come, Israel, since its foundation, has said any Jew who wants to return home to make Aliyah is welcome. There is no restriction. And even though they have nine million already squeezed in and more are coming from Ukraine and more are coming from Moldova than from Russia, uh, each week they arrive in flights. They believe God will make a way. They believe him to feed them and accommodate them and shelter them and give them, give them uh, employment. Zechariah um, uh, 12.20 says there's a greater, so there's a greater future. It's not just settling them in the land. God says that in that latter day, he is going to pour out on the house of David and pour out on the people of Jerusalem the spirit of grace, the spirit of supplication, that the word of the Lord is going to, that rivers of, of living water will flow out from that place, that the king of kings will come, that that uh, the, the blessing on the land will cause fruit to blossom and to bud and that the whole earth will be filled. So it's a fabulous, fabulous destiny. And, for, and one day, Jesus at the, the uh, Mount of Olives said, one day the whole of this nation will cry, blessed is who comes in the name of the Lord, Baruch Haba, B'Shem Adonai. And that will open up this glorious future for them. Unfortunately, after this fabulous start, the church dropped its ball. In a way, it rejected the, the uh, opportunity to take the gospel to the Jews for, for centuries. In fact, for many, many centuries, it actually actively persecuted them. The only Bibles in the land were like these ones. They were chained, written in Latin, locked up on pulpits in churches that the Jews would never go into. And so it was only in 1809 that the first ministry to the Jews started. And it started in London by a, a Messianic Jew, a, a rabbi who had, was converted. And he would go to the synagogues of the UK preaching. Thirty-odd years later, in 1946, the um, first bishop, Protestant bishop, was sent to the Middle East was a combined thing, uh, an effort of the British church, um, the Anglican church in Britain, and the Lutheran church of Prussia, who said it's time to re-establish a connection. And they, they got another uh, Jewish rabbi uh, who was a convert to become that first bishop. He had a huge diocese that covered Chaldea or Babylon all the way through Syria down through um, the, to Egypt and down even to Abyssinia or to Ethiopia. Huge responsibility but just really the first reconnection in modern times. And it was clear to those Jewish converts who knew Torah, who knew the scriptures well, that just as the Jewish nation had birthed the church, 
The time was coming when the womb for the new Israel and the reborn people would be the church of Jesus Christ. And so they started believing for that and hoping for that. And the opportunity to do that came through the First World War. For 400 years, Israel had been ruled by the Ottoman Turks, a Muslim nation. And as the war began, people recognised that was a God-given opportunity. And in the battles to take back Jerusalem from the Muslim lands, um, two and a half thousand Australian and British soldiers died. And they shed their blood and they were buried on Mount Scopus, which is the hill overlooking the old city there. In the Second World War, more Australian and British troops uh, laid down their lives and defended the, the um, Jews, Jewish communities in the British mandate uh, from the uh, demonically inspired uh, holocaust of the Nazi regime. So an important, important role. In 1948, the nation was established, but the very next day, five Arab armies attacked it, determined to drive it into the sea. They were, the armies were, came from all around, and at that time, there were only 23 Messianic Jews uh, in the country. From that, that beginning, 74 years ago, there are now 30,000 Believers in Yeshua, Messianic Jews, and they worship in 300 congregations all over Israel, from the far north uh, down to, to, to the Negev. And their life is tough because they are opposed by the same demonic rulers and the same spiritual wickedness in heavenly places that oppose Jesus and the early church. And they need our prayers. We need to be praying for them, that God would encourage them and strengthen them for the task that they have. We need to be praying that God would remove the veil off the eyes of the Jewish people, that they would come to recognise Yeshua as the Passover lamb, as the long-awaited Messiah, that they would recognise him, uh, that he is the one who's coming in the fulfilment of the Feast of Trumpets to, to, to earth, that he is the one that will uh, uh, judge the nations in fulfilment of Yom Kippur, that he is the one who will come and dwell with them for a thousand years in fulfilment of the Feast of Tabernacles. This, these are important prayers. We need to give the Lord no rest until he makes Jerusalem a praise in all the earth. So what does the, the experience of Israel tell us? I think the most important thing is that missions is a heavenly assignment. Missions comes from the heart of God. It's because God wants to be worshipped in every nation of the earth. It comes because God spoke to Abraham and said, go and, and your disciples, or your descendants rather, are going to be a blessing to the nations of the earth. It started with Jesus coming and sending his disciples and saying, go. It started from the Holy Spirit coming in generation after generation to chosen men and women and saying, go. This is a heavenly thing. It's initiated by God. It's not about uh, denominations or power or earthly things. This is a heavenly assignment. And the task of making disciples in the nations is just as great in our day as it was in the beginning in the early church. The, 
task is just as urgent and it's just as demanding for us because there are 3.5 billion people who are still ignorant of God's love. Uh, and they perish with no knowledge uh, of a hope of eternity with Jesus. Um, missions agencies call this circle here the Asian circle. And the Asian circle is uh, the place where there are more people, over 4 billion people living inside that circle than in the whole of the rest of the world outside it. And in that circle, the Asian circle, lies 75% of all the unreached people. It, in that circle, which is just to our north, our nor northern neighbour, lies 99% of those uh, in, who are in, uh, in Buddhism that don't know Jesus, 98% of those who are in Hinduism who don't know Jesus, 50% uh, of the Muslim world, or more than 50%, that don't know Jesus. So that is important. But it's not just that. When the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, Acts 2.11 2, 2, says that the men in the city and women in the city heard people, the disciples, praising God, telling of the wonders of God in their own language. Because the heart language is really crucial to hearing the gospel and being touched. And the task of translation is also not finished. Here's a map of where the unreached people groups, 300 of them just lie in the island of New Guinea. Half on the West Irian province of Indonesia, half or so of those in the PNG province. There hasn't even started a translation. No one's gone yet. They're still waiting. And there's 600 people with language groups up in, in, in that Asian circle that are still waiting. And we need to be praying and we need to be sowing because this is our generation. This is our task. This is the task now. There is no salvation where the gospel isn't preached and where it isn't heard. Now that's, that's um, really important. Someone has to go. Someone has to serve. Someone has to model and, and worship in those places. And I want to tell you a story uh, now about a group of people just like us. A group of people that was probably, it started off with just 30, 40, 50. They were all refugees. Um, they met in the grounds of a, of a count, Count von Zinzendorf, in Saxony, in what's now Czech Republic. And they came and they were not very much bigger than us. And they, were, they started off with not being particularly more special, but very much like in Church Canberra. They had the same core values. They were also committed to worship and to prayer. The history now calls them um, the Moravians. If we just go on. And they uh, had a heart for missions. They took seriously God's command to go. And... Their mission, if we go to the next slide, what happened, in, oh, sorry, uh, what happened there was a young 11-year-old girl had lost her mother in April of the year 1773. She was praying and fasting for three days, an 11-year-old, uh, four months later in August, and the Holy Spirit descended on her and filled her with joy. She woke up her dad. She said, Dad, Dad, Dad. Um, 
I know that I'm loved. I know that Jesus loves me. I know that I have to go. So her father the next morning went to the count and said, Count, this has happened. And the count said, Oh, that's also happened to another three girls. And so he got them in and he said, Let's let's bless them. And so they blessed them. And those three those four girls, as they shared what had happened, uh, brought another eighty seven children. <laughs> Into the Lord. The children were filled with the Spirit. And as the children testified, a hundred adults were filled with the Spirit. And God said to the Count, um, I want you to make sure that the altar uh, of prayer never goes out. The fire on the altar never goes out. So they organized themselves. And they said, okay, we're going to make sure that 25, uh, 24 men and 24 women each day are going to pray for an hour. And we're going to keep praying because we need the doorways to the nations open. We have to petition heaven to open the door. But it wasn't just prayer. They also organized themselves to go. And so nine families in the church would support one family in the field. Nine adults would support one adult in the field. And in this way, the mission's task was facilitated and if we go to the next slide, we see what the impact was in the first generation. In the first 30 years from 1773, the Moravians sent out 300 missionaries to all these places, just in one generation, a small church just like us, with a heart and with core values just like us. This is the impact that we can make in our world too. It's not, not different. Um, next slide. Please, yeah. The, the way we participate in missions, really, it takes us uh, to be filled with joy. We must be joyful people. And we must um, uh, commend the gospel to people because we cherish the gospel, because it means something. The love of God, the joy of the Lord moves us to do so. We can only proclaim to the nations, to proclaim to our city, to proclaim to Australia the thing we prize. So it's a real challenge, uh, to me anyway. Is the joy of our worship such that we are moved to make that experience available to every person in every place? Do we see missions as just something to our culture or our language group or not? Or is it something that has to go more than that, because we understand the joy. We understand what God is trying to bring. I think we should all rejoice that we are a part of a church that goes and we're sending. We've got Phil and Lindsay Oman, uh, Oman rather, in, in Ukraine right at this moment. I know Pastor David's off to India uh, in a few months' time. I know David Hill um, and Pastor Sid are off to Uganda uh, soon. So we are part of a church that goes. But are we just giving to the missions fund or are we get laying hold of this task that God is calling in Church Canberra to? It's, is it going to be sufficient for you just to support the missions fund, as good as that is? Or is God, are you open to God moving on your heart? to do something quite different. There are really only three choices for every one of us. We either are a goer, or we are a sender, or we're disobedient. <laughs> it's 
So, um, uh, yeah, are, are we going to be those people that, that put up a hand are we, and go? Are we going to be people that will facilitate the others? Or are we going to stay in our deception and say it's somebody else's problem uh, somewhere? So I, I, I just pray that um, those of you who, who, and I'm sure there's people either here in these, this auditorium or online, uh, where God is moving on your heart. He might have been moving on your heart for 20 minutes. He might have been moving on your heart for the last 20 hours. He, it might have been 20 years that he's been just nudging you, just calling you and just moving you. And, and you might want to um, come down at the end of this service and ask for prayer that God would confirm to you what you're, you're leading, that, 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 that witness on the inside. You want to confirm that you want to pray for the courage, uh, for the, the opportunity to, to have that clarified for you, to have it confirmed for you, um, and to, to have that move. You might be a person here who says, well, that's all very good for them, but I just don't know the Holy Spirit like that. For you... The opportunity here is to come and at the end and, and let us lay hands on you. And let us ask that God would fill you afresh. And that, that joy of worshipping, that joy of knowing Jesus, the joy of knowing that your sins are forgiven, the joy of knowing that you're loved, that every hair of your head is known, that God has a plan for you, God has got a future for you, that that would come again. It might be that you've left that first love. Well, today is the opportunity. You don't have to leave that long. Come. Come and get prayer. Um, musicians, if you'd like to come up and just, just help us here. And it might be that you just don't know Jesus at all and that this is going right over your, your, your head. But what I want you to know this morning is that this is real. Uh, Jesus really did come. He really was the Son of God. He really did bring a wisdom that is out of this world, that the world uh, has been changed because of that. He really did divide history. He really has got a plan for the church. And that plan involves not just Israel, and not just the nation of India and all the peoples of India, not just China, but it involves us here in In Church Canberra. It involves Australia. It involves the city of Canberra. We all have a part to play. And so as we just close off the service this morning, I invite you to come. Come, or even where you are, if you want to stay where you are. But just let the challenge of missions touch your heart. Just let those images of all those people, three and a half billion that are perishing, 150 million of them will die this year. Will they have an eternal hope? Who will go? Um, how will those, unre those uh, where will those uh, translators come for Wycliffe? for SIL, the Summer Institute of Linguistics. Where will the people go that are willing to go and to, to lay down their lives? The Moravians were also very noted because they would often go on a one-way journey. Often they would have their funeral before they went. And the, uh, there are graveyards all over Germany, all over uh, the east coast of the United States, all over the world where these simple plaques are in the ground, they, would, they were content 
to be not known. They were content to die um, in a far-off place, unknown. But they would, were absolutely passionate that the lamb would receive the honour of his, of his, the reward of his sacrifice. That the death of Jesus, the cross, the shedding of the blood, would result in praise in every nation. That there would be choruses of people singing the songs of the Lamb, the songs of Moses, the songs of deliverance, the songs of salvation in every nation of the world, that every tribe, tongue, people would sing Hosanna. Uh, that, 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 that all of the world would give him the praise that he deserves. So, what are we going to do here? As I said, we're off to a fabulous start. We've got a great church. It gets it. And, but we need more. So, let's pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We thank you for our day. We thank you for our time. We thank you for the challenge that you've given us. And we thank you for the joy and the peace of heaven that, Lord, that you give us. You said, my peace I give to you, my peace. That in this world where there's so much anxiety, where there's so much shaking, where there's so much change, you have declared the end from the beginning and you said, see to it that your heart is not troubled. See, I'm sending you as sheep amongst the wolves. Do not fear. I am with you. Do not, do not know that you can ask of me and I will give you the nations. And so, Lord, this is our, our cry. Will you let the Maranatha cry, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Will you let B'Shem Habah Baruch Adonai, come, blessed is he, comes in the name of the Lord, rise up in our hearts, everyone. Lord, come, birth us afresh. Lord, pour out your Spirit as you did in the Moravian Pentecost. Lord, let it be done here in Canberra, this year, now. Father, we thank you for those that are going to commit to, to praying for one hour in this next month for the work of the missions. We thank you for those who you will ask to share a half night of prayer for missions and evangelism. You put that on their heart. Bless them. Father, we thank you for those who are you are calling. Lord, that they would not be disobedient to the heavenly call. But Father, they would say, here I am, Lord, send me. Father, pour out your blessing. Pour out your love. Fill us with that joy. Fill us with that grace. That we would be a going people, a sending people, a praising people. Lovers of your word. Lovers of your witness. Lovers of your uh, hope. That we would be prepared to die on those hills as the Moravians did. Just like us. And so we thank you in Jesus' wonderful name.